Today on the show, why we've all been wrong about Troy and Tyrene Calypso. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of some of our favorite video games. My name's Caleb. And my name's Connor. And today we've got a little bit of a hot take as far as uh, Borderlands is concerned. We are addressing the controversy today. The, The big controversy, the big question that is on everyone's minds, and that is... Why are Troy and Tyrene Calypso as amazing as they are? <laughs> That's right. Today we're we're taking on the haters, as it were. All, all the all the children of the vault uh, haters out there who uh, aren't down with the twin gods, as it were. Um, we're here to set you straight. This is one of the uh, one of the big debates going on because uh, ever since this game came out, they've been one of the more uh, kind of controversial aspects of this game. Just a lot of people talking about them as being one of the worst aspects of the game, very maligned, very like that. And a lot a lot of that is a comparison to a Handsome Jack. It, less necessarily that they're bad in and of their own right, and more like they don't necessarily compare to Handsome Jack. Handsome Jack definitely set a really high bar for villains in the Borderlands games. So it, it's natural that after that, after him, the Calypsos kind of maybe don't measure up to a lot of people in their minds, uh, as to what a villain should be. Exactly. And uh, I think, though, uh, it's actually really interesting to me, because today we're going to be talking about why I disagree with all of that, and I think the Calypso Twins are actually spectacular villains, and easily on par with Handsome Jack. Yeah, it's actually a very interesting topic, especially for me, because I know where you're coming from, Caleb. I know that you are very much a uh, Calypso Twins apologist. You've kind of convinced me actually and we'll get into that later but i can sort of see where the haters are coming from so if you're kind of going into this thinking oh they're both gonna just come at me with all these theories about why i'm wrong like trust me let me just tell you right off the bat i i feel (laughs) you if you hate if you hated the calypso twins i i know what you're saying but just stay with us. So following up from our last episode, last episode we had a kind of deep dive discussion into uh, the life of Typhon de Leon. And quick, uh, just an FYI for those that those that care, the game came out in September, so I'm assuming anyone who cares to play it has um, already played it and finished it at this point. This episode is going to have fairly massive spoilers about the late game of uh, Borderlands 3. So just be aware of that. But um, we were having kind of a deep dive discussion last week into Typhon de Leon and his life and ultimately his family. Because that's the surprise twist at the end of Borderlands 3 is that the Calypso twins are the children of the first vault hunter, Typhon de Leon. And uh, in a way kind of following up from his life and legacy in a lot of kind of important, significant ways. And so I think the uh, people who kind of see the twins as primarily um, being a parody or commentary on um, Twitch and YouTube streamers as a, like, religious culture slash cult, I don't necessarily know that that's a bad take, but I think that's kind of an incomplete take 
on who they are as characters and what their significance is in the universe? I would have to agree. Um, Typhon DeLeon's life story really informs a lot about the Calypso twins and their story. And yeah, it's it's natural, it's understandable to look at them and think, oh, this is just uh, Gearbox kind of doing a parody of modern YouTubers and you know modern day uh, entertainers whose only concern is the clout chasing and the fame and developing a following and you know smash that like button that's that's what the calypso twins seem to be all about and yeah that was my that was kind of my perspective at first too but like you said caleb there's a lot more to it than that so it's not necessarily wrong take it's not you know you're not wrong about that if you see them that way but there's more context that you might be missing and so parenthetically by the way um if you haven't yet you should uh make sure to uh Follow uh, lore, at lore underscore party on Twitter and uh, make sure you uh, give us a uh, rating on Apple Podcasts. That's right. Uh, smash that uh, rate button. <laughs> we're, see, we're, not, we're not above it ourselves. It's, it's whatever. Download us on Spotify. <laughs> yes. Do, do all of that. Do all of that. And so just uh, want to make sure we do get that in there. That, uh... Get that out of the way. But as we kind of left off with the with the previous episode, which, of course, if you haven't listened to it, go, go do that. We highly recommend it. But in the last episode, we explored how Typhon de Leon's journey as the first Vault Hunter more or less culminated, uh, or at least reached its zenith, when he and his wife discovered the Iridian homeworld, Necro Defeo. And he kind of saw that as his ultimate prize. That's what he had been searching for his entire life. And, you know, we get into this in the last episode. But unfortunately, the legacy he leaves, his children, uh, didn't quite share his vision of what Necro Tefeo meant. And that's what's really interesting. And I think uh, Typhon actually uh, says it himself, kind of what the twins' thoughts on it were. After their mother died, so scared I'd lose them too. So I kept them here. I thought they'd be happy. But they kept staring up at that sky, full of stars they'd never reach. To me, this planet was enough! The reward at the end of my hunt! To them, it was just a cage. Yeah, Typhon mentions it as well. He kind of feels a little guilty for um, setting them up in this way. I think he, you know, from his perspective, we, we've mentioned how Necrotefeo was his prize. They only saw it as a cage. And from his perspective, the stars were like, you know, uh, objects to be admired. Uh, but, but to them, they were, they, they just kind of got uh resentful of the stars because they would never reach them typhon mentions how after his wife Lita passes away he was terrified of losing his children as well and so he sort of maybe went a little overboard with keeping them safe keeping them hidden and that kind of backfired on him when the kids developed into these resentful bitter uh creatures who just needed glorification they felt they felt the kind of a pathological need to be unique and that's what led them to create the children of the vault and set out on their on their journey and i think uh that's and that really is where it comes down to it um typhon kind of had been to the stars he had had his adventures and his ultimate theme of all of it is that none of it was worth it none of it is what he wanted so the necro defeo was kind of the ultimate prize for him because it was 
the things he had been looking for, but not in the way he had spent most of his life looking for it. Whereas his kids heard the story and uh, they saw the stars. And when Typhon saw them and thought the ultimate goal of all this was that none of it mattered or their ultimate takeaway from it was this is something we deserve and not something we could ever have if we stay here. It's almost like Typhon didn't want to matter. He wanted to find what mattered to him. But the, the, the Calypsos, they wanted to matter. They sought all of the attention and status in life that their father avoided. And that, I think that gets us into a, a really big theme for us on this discussion where we want to get into how the Calypsos are effective characters, but also effective villains because they're an inverse of kind of what came before them and the example that their father set. You know, we, we've we've talked about how uh, Typhon got through life based on kind of based on his charisma. He was a very gifted storyteller. That's how he found his early successes in life. And the Calypsos sort of are a are a direct contrast of that, but they share that charisma that he had. They're they're also obviously very charismatic people. They're they're entertaining. They have a gravitas about them that people are attracted to. So it's. It's like the same skill that their father had, but they use it for uh, very nefarious ends. He avoided the spotlight. They actively sought it out. He refused to trust corporations, and he wanted to you know, prevent loss of life, whereas they would backstab and make you know, double deals with Malawan or whoever else, uh, Aurelia Hammerlock, anyone they needed to, and showed utter disregard for people's lives. It's a complete inverse of everything Typhon stood for. Exactly. And so it was just kind of uh, what that all led to. And it really does kind of go back to, and even dialing back just a little bit to how they even perceived the stars. Like, uh, Tyreen always talks about how she's going to be the only star in the sky. And and at one point when Typhon is actually struggling with her, trying to prevent her from literally, like, doing things that'll kill untold numbers of people, the first thing he says is, Higher starlight. Let me go! Ah, I let you go once and see how that turned out? You scared old man! This is your fault! You kept us here when the universe should have been ours! I gave you what I could. I don't care! I'm gonna take what's mine! It's clear that, you know, the connections that Typhon had with Troy and Tyrene and how he brings them back with the stars thing and calling her Starlight, uh, it's very much a sore spot for her. And it, it shows how much resentment she has for Typhon for keeping her and Troy uh, kind of isolated on Necrotheo their entire lives. I think at some point he ca she calls him a scared old man and says, this is all your fault. It's... It's very much a classic uh, kind of a narcissism to just make yourself the hero in your own story. And that's, I mean, it's it's a little bit like a callback to how Handsome Jack operated. He never took responsibility for things. He was always the hero in his mind. And so maybe that's a Borderlands uh, through line. Maybe that's something that Borderlands villains tend to have in common. But the, the Calypsos definitely had that going for them as well. And I think that just in general, that response of it all kind of shows in everything they do earlier in the game because we have already talked about how they use 
exactly the same skill set as their father, but in the opposite way. And but just it works on so many levels, because if you also consider the Crimson Raiders are in a lot of ways kind of an indirect follow up to Typhon de Leon's legacy, um, the Crimson Raiders are a group of individuals who work together to bring each other up. Whereas the Calypso twins, again, are the inverse. They bring a large group of people together to lift two people up. Mm-hmm. Then you just, and you see this in every level. Um, right. They work with Malawan, even though, and possibly even because their father was so specifically anti-corporate. They have this personal vendetta against vault hunters because vault hunters represent everything that makes them angry about their father. Typhon de Leon being the first vault hunter was definitely a progenitor of a greater phenomenon everyone who came after him who sort of followed his model of traversing the stars and seeking out ancient treasures and fighting monsters and just being the you know the big heroes of the borderlands they all you know owe something to typhon he walked so they could run so in a way every vault hunter that came after typhon de leon is like a child of his they kind of follow in his footsteps and like you said caleb they represent the idea of you know, working together for a goal, you know, and bettering yourself by helping others. And that to, to the Calypsos, that's just nonsense. Like that they represent the inverse. Like you said, they, they're all about just lifting themselves up and nothing else. And so I think, yeah, the, the, the hatred and scorn they show for the heroes of Borderlands three and the Crimson Raiders is very much an extension of the hostile feelings they have toward their father for what he represents. Again, we come back, like you said, Caleb, it's in every level. We come back to this theme of the the Calypsos are the inverse of what their father represents and even what the entire fiction of Borderlands represents in a lot of ways. And I think right there is where we run a little bit into kind of their comparison to Handsome Jack. Handsome Jack was as perfect of a villain for Borderlands 2 as he was because he was the exact inverse of everything the Borderlands universe had been built as up until that point. So while Pandora as a planet, in a lot of ways, represented consistent chaos, um, uh, Handsome Jack and Hyperion very much represented a chaotic consistency. <sighs> is I think the the slightly roundabout but most descriptive way to put it. And I think uh, that's a big part of the reason why Jack was as perfect as a villain as he was. He was the exact inverse of what Pandora was, and so he just felt so fitting into the world. And I think I think that applies to the Calypsos too, but the things that make that apply to the Calypsos, which is to say their, their connection to Typhon and therefore their decisions that led to them being the inverse of everything vault hunters are doesn't come into play until later in the game when typhon is introduced as a character and when their connection to typhon is discovered and so as a result even though they serve a lot of the same function as um handsome jack where they are this direct inverse of vault hunting culture but it isn't immediately obvious and i do i do think that that is something that could have been changed about the scripting of the game that maybe could have improved player perception of that if uh liking the calypso twins meant that uh you didn't have to play like 10 hours into the story (laughs) right right yeah jack made an impression right away 
uh, he kind of came into the game swinging it from this perspective of I'm not what you expected and I'm here to you know change everything. I represent everything that this this the the world of this game is not. And I think the Calypso twins sort of just came in as annoying streamers. <laughs> you don't really come to appreciate that they are also an inverse of the game world until later. So that's a fair point. But one last thing I found interesting about how Typhon's legacy relates to the twins. Um, there's a trope in fiction that I've seen before where a parent, you know, some kind of some, some parent character has kids who turn evil or become villains or whatever. And they have this, they always have this arc where they want to get through to the kids and reach them. And what's interesting about Typhon is he doesn't really seem to have that delusion or that impression that he can, you know, make the kids good again. What is it? Um, Hammerlock actually straight up follows that trope earlier in the game. That's right. He asks you not to kill his sister Aurelia if if you can help it. He kind of like falls into that a little bit. And that's understandable. He's a, he's a human being. He doesn't want to sever a blood tie if he doesn't have to. But what was really interesting about Typhon is, you know, when you early on after you meet him, he knows that you have just recently defeated Troy, his son, and Troy is now dead. And you think it's going to be awkward between your Vault Hunter character and Typhon, your first Vault Hunter, but he's, you know, pretty understanding about it. He says something along the lines of, I'm not glad Troy is dead, but he did become a monster and Vault Hunters kill monsters. And I think that one line says a lot, just vault hunters kill monsters. He, Again, he really plays into what a vault hunter is and how his own children have become the opposite of vault hunters and how that really ties into their place in the story and in the game. And the last thing that I think like really makes it interesting is with the COV logo, because even the COV logo is the vault hunters logo upside down which i actually never noticed until literally just the other day when you told me about that i'm i'm really surprised you didn't notice that i actually noticed that really fast and i was not paying attention to that at all i just thought oh it's just it's the letters cov for children of the vault but no that's yeah that's the vault logo from the original borderlands just upside down i never saw that it's not just the original borderlands that's the vault logo you get from like just vault hunters in the whole series and that's they're the opposite of that there's a lot of details that uh, if you're not looking and all you hear are, you know, what's up, Vault Thief? If that's all you ever hear and that's all you pay attention to, you'll miss out on stuff like that. Exactly. And I think like and that's why I think the streaming like served as a little bit of a kind of unnecessary red herring, I think, as far as uh, what their theme and story was. Perhaps. So I guess like they so, yes, they come off as a little bit annoying. But that's why they're amazing. They taunt you because you are everything they hate about their past. They're a thematic inverse to this entire world, just like Jack was. So just in retrospect, they end up being just this really interesting and really nuanced follow-up to that theme and a really profound story of the complexities of personal legacy and the way that family kind of ingrains itself in your into your identity because that's the other major theme of borderlands 3 every planet you uh come in on you run into characters who are struggling with different um definitions and concepts of their family and their identity and i think ultimately the twins end up being the culmination of that they are 
the ultimate exploration of that family and identity in the Borderlands universe. But I think the fact that that story arc doesn't really unfold until the final act of the game, I think does the does them as characters a little bit of a disservice. So what's interesting about this for me is kind of the uh, the personal journey that I've been on myself about this. Uh, I've kind of had a couple different positions on the uh, Calypso twins as villains, as characters. And, um, you know, like I alluded to earlier, uh, when I first started playing through Borderlands 3, I, I did kind of immediately feel annoyed by, by them as characters and as villains. And I just thought... God, I can't wait to kill these two little shits. And I just that's kind of what carried me through most of the game. And so, you know, people who did kind of uh uh you know ha- have a bone to pick with them as uh as the villains of the story, I, I understand where they're coming from. It 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 definitely can be grating. And I think Caleb, you mentioned how the streamer angle and the modern day YouTube entertainer type uh aspect of them might have been a red herring it's it's a bit of a smokescreen and maybe it distracts from what's interesting and what's actually impactful about them as characters but i would say it does kind of tie into what we discussed earlier about their need for attention their need to feel special and this is kind of a the streamer persona is kind of a topical way to get that across but that you know setting that aside i did eventually you know learn more about typhon's story and the background behind how the twins were raised on Necro DeFeo. And personally, I really came to appreciate them as characters who had a fully realized arc and motivations for what they were doing that were, you know, as as wacky and off the wall and comic booky as what they were doing was. You know, they, they the motivations were pretty understandable on some level. So I've definitely come to, you know, appreciate them more and I would argue that the haters might be missing something, but I also kind of know where they're coming from. But, you know, I think we can all learn from the great Typhon to Leon and, you know, just try to remember that if you keep your eyes open, you never know what you might stumble into. It could be a, uh, you know, really interesting story behind some villains you initially hated. Well, that about wraps it up. We uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party so that you can catch my uh, next episode where I explain to you why uh, Ava is the childhood icon that we've always deserved. Please no. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Be sure to like, follow, and obey.